Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Thursday, February 1st, and here's what's driving the day. Last night, the House passed a $78 billion tax package that expands the child tax credit, a priority for Democrats, while restoring a trio of tax breaks for businesses, a priority for many Republicans. Now, if that sounds like an odd moment of bipartisanship, that's because it is. The bill was hammered out between House Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith, who's a Republican from Missouri, and Senate Finance Chairman Ron Wyden, who's a Democrat from Oregon. And it passed on a 357 to 70 vote, with the no votes coming from a coterie of progressives on the left and conservatives on the right. Now, it's a big win for House moderates and for Speaker Mike Johnson, whose brief tenure has seen him embarrassed on occasion by intransigence from his party's right flank. The bill now heads to the Senate, where it faces a major obstacle, with key Republican senators indicating their strong opposition to the legislation. Our own Ben Guggenheim, citing a senior Republican aide, reports that the Senate is unlikely to move on the package until March. Now, it is, as I mentioned, February 1st in an election year, and for true political obsessives, that means one thing. The FEC filing deadline has passed, allowing us to pop the hood of every major congressional, Senate, and presidential campaign in the country and get a real sense of where things stand in the dash for cash. Joining me to talk about what we're learning from those reports is campaign reporter Zach Montalaro. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, Zach. <laughs> I love the sound of that. So uh, let's start with the big takeaways. You know, the deadline has passed. What are the big things that are worth knowing this morning? I would say there are two big takeaways. The first is that former President Trump is spending so much money on his legal bills. There's a great story from my colleagues just kind of detailing how much money he spent. And, and just a couple of his political action committees alone spent $29 million in legal fees in the second half of the year, basically draining his coffers, spending more than he's taking in, not what you would want from your you know leading presidential candidate, basically. And the reverse of that is Biden had a, had a healthy, you know, end of quarter, end of year. He doesn't match Trump's 2020 numbers, you know, you know, incumbent president to incumbent president. But he's got uh, he was certainly raising more than he was spending. He's got a healthy chunk of change. He, his campaign committees and the DNC have money in the bank and he's ramping up his campaign now after we had those, you know, first nine months of the year being kind of slow for him. Almost the end, the last quarter, he really ramped everything up. Yeah, I saw that over the course of 2023, uh, you mentioned Trump's burn rate effectively. Over the course of 2023, across all of his committees in aggregate, Trump uh, spent roughly $210 million while raising a bit shy of $200 million over the same period. Uh, what What is the trajectory here? Should that be concerning for folks in Trump's orbit? Yeah, you know, that's not great. Uh, (laughs) There's no other way to say it. You have to spend money to make money in politics, right? And that's early on, you're going to spend some money to try to get your list up to shape your fundraising list, you got to hold fundraising events, you got to hold campaign events. But this early in the cycle, you really don't want to be having an upside down burn rate. You know, it's not exactly apples to apples compared to Joe Biden. When we talk about the president's numbers, 
we're including uh, the DNC and then various joint fundraising committees that Biden has as the DNC, basically by being the party's effectively presumptive nominee. There's a lot more opportunities for big donors to write single big checks to Biden and his reelect. And Trump doesn't officially have that yet with the RNC. But even setting aside, you know, maybe apples to, you know, not quite oranges, we'll, we'll go orange to mandarins or something like that in this situation. Trump is just in a worse financial situation than Biden. You know, certainly I think that fundraising can flip on for the former president. He's uh, he's shown to have a pretty rabid fan base, we'll say, and who have given him a lot of money in the past. Uh, but at least in the new year, entering the new year, uh, not the place the campaign wants to be. So setting aside the presidential race, what are the top takeaways when you look at, let's say, the the race for the Senate? Are, are there particular things that jumped out to you from the hours that you spent uh, uh, perusing these reports? <laughs> uh, you know, first thing that jumped out to me um, is we still don't exactly know what's going on in Arizona, but it sure feels like uh, Senator Cinema isn't running. Um, hmm. She posted a pretty anemic fundraising quarter. Uh, apparently got quite uh, unhappy with reporters on the Hill when you asked about it. But when you're in a state like Arizona, that's going to be pretty expensive to begin with. Uh, certainly the presidential race will be there. The Senate race will be there. It'll be pretty expensive. She's just not fundraising like somebody who looks like she's going to run for re-election. Um, beyond that, it's going to be an expensive year. I don't think anyone needs to be told that, but it's going to be an expensive year and it's going to come down to just a handful of races, especially in the House. So when you see, you know, even individual races that stand out when candidates are posting a disappointing quarter, it's, well, why does this one candidate matter? Uh, In the aggregate, if the House is going to be decided by two or three seats, which is entirely possible, um, those disappointing quarters for certain candidates will matter a lot. You know, one thing that uh, is sort of a tradition for those of us who who spend time uh, as political obsessives and, and, and go through these reports is occasionally you'll find really odd or eyebrow raising uh, line items. And I'm curious, and it's fine if there isn't anything, but I'm curious if there is anything that jumped out to you so far as something that is particularly surprising. <laughs> Nothing quite yet. You know, we see, well, actually, I'll, I will point out to one. It, it's a totally meaningless line item, but my colleague Jessica Piper found it uh, earlier this week. George Santos, everyone's favorite former congressman, uh, spent money at the Capitol Hill Club, which to our friends on Capitol Hill will be very familiar, a couple days after he was expelled from Congress. Uh, he, <laughs> who knows how long he'll have to spend his campaign money, but his campaign you know, at least reported spending money for food at the Capitol Hill Club um, after he was already out of Congress and also, you know, reported sending money back to people who basically inadvertently gave him money after he had been kicked out. Um, People set up reoccurring donations to politicians. People did that for George Santos and they gave him money and his campaign sent it back. Oh, never a dull moment. Well, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Zach. And for your schedule today, The House and the Senate are in. President Biden will receive the presidential daily briefing before heading to the National Prayer Breakfast on Capitol Hill. After returning to the White House, he'll fly to Macomb County, Michigan, for a political event in Metro Detroit, and then in the evening it's wheels up as he flies to Philadelphia before ending his day in, where else, Delaware. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening.